with Ryan Reese. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. What up, family? Another beautiful Saturday night. I was just down in downtown L.A. at a skate contest we did at the Barracks. Any of you skaters listening, we were there at the Barracks today with the Hollywood Love Project. We had about 600 kids showed up. And uh, it was the best trick contest, and it was just dope. We had Christian Osoy, Chad Tim Tim, and a bunch of other friends out there eating tacos, free tacos. That's what I heard. Tricks for tacos. <laughs> I was there for the tacos. But tonight, we had a, we have a sick show. It's about, um, I don't even know what we called it. What did it say on Instagram? Demon Possession and the Occult. The Occult. Yes, big. And being set free. And being set free, the key. Big topic. As I tour public high schools, um, I talk to middle school, high school students that uh, are having these black shadows showing up in their room. Um, there was one a girl that was 14 years old that was being thrown around in her bed. Actually, not only thrown around, but thrown off of her bed. Um, I have, you know, uh, black shadows levitating above people while they're sleeping. Sleep paralysis is what the mainstream calls it. Um, just all kinds of different things that happen through the occult, Ouija boards, tarot cards, angel cards, drugs. Um, I've heard stories um, through guys that you know, this Cholo guy came up to me, he would be drinking alcohol and every time he drinks alcohol, his anger would arise and then he would there'd like be a manifestation. And this kid was like a hardcore gangster Cholo and he was scared for his life mm. when he came to meet with me. You know, it's, it's interesting when you see a hardcore Cholo that looks like he'll kill someone <sighs> terrified of his life because demonic stuff's happening to him. But um, I've heard it all. But that's why we want to talk about it tonight because we want to bring the darkness into the light and show what the Bible says, where it all came from, and um, how to be set free from it. So we're going to give out the number tonight because we are going to take some calls. And by the way, I have uh, uh, some guests in studios. I have Sean McKeon, my co-host, and Steve Bancar. Um, he was on the um, I don't know, he's on the show a couple uh, weeks ago about him coming out of the, the New Age movement. But um, it's going to be a sick show. So start texting your friends, start uh, Instagramming friends, and tell them to tune in to Live with Ryan Reese at ryan-reese.com where you can watch and see us live in the studio. The number is 888-564-6173, 888-564-6173. If something we're saying, you want to leave a comment, you want to get a hold of us, you could call that number. But first, um, yeah, so hey, welcome guest. Yeah, no, we're excited. Excited <laughs> yeah. to be here. Thanks for having me back. This is definitely a subject that I think a lot of people have a lot of questions about. I think there are some people that can be um, confused about the subject, um, but it is reality. We're living in a day and age now where you definitely see evil. Um, it's, it's always been here. There, the reality of evil, as you were just giving that illustration of like that, that Cholo scared because, man, it does something. When you are confronted by, by evil, uh, for us, thank the Lord that, we know the power of God, and we want to speak about all those things here tonight, so hopefully it'll be an encouraging show. Cool. Well, hey, we're going to go ahead and take a, take a call from Mary Ann. Mary Ann from Orange, how you doing tonight? Mary Ann, are you there? Hello? Hey, how you doing? You are live, Mary Ann. Heard her for a second. I know, I heard her. Maybe she's breaking up. We're going to have to, uh, we might have to come back to her. 
We're going to have maybe have Ivan check it one more time. All right, let's see. We're going to give it one more shot. Marianne, are you there? All right, we're going to have to have maybe to have someone go tell Ivan to uh, check that phone call. It's not working. Well, listen, since while we're waiting for these phone calls to come in, let's go ahead and actually grab uh, this call right here from David. David. I love it how tonight we start talking about demonic <laughs> stuff and none right? of the phones work. Yeah. That is great. You know, this is uh, this is hilarious. Let's see. All right, David, let's get this. Hey, are you there? David. I'm trying to get her. Zamora. Trujillo, right? Or Zamora. Yeah, it's no, Trujillo. David. Can you hear us? I can't hear. All right. Yeah, run out there. Okay. <laughs> go I'll out go there and tell me we're going right to take now. David's phone call. On line two, why we wait. Hey, why we wait so we don't kill any airtime. Right. You were saying you had some kind of a demonic activity that happened with you, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I've, had, I've, I've had it, like, all over the place. Um, maybe we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. I was just thinking, like, um, it's incredible how many people are uh, either demon-possessed or oppressed and have no idea. Um, I think that's why there is such an interest in it. Um, people are always asking questions there. It's, it's like, the, it's been the hottest topic really, um, the last like 10 to 15 years, people always want to know about spiritual warfare and the demonic. And I think a big reason for that is, um, because of how accessible and made available, um, occult material and occult paraphernalia and occult tools have been to the public. Like if you think back to uh, the times of the New Testament, there's a reason why this kind of information, these kinds of practices, they were part of what were called mystery schools because in order to get in these mystery schools you had to go through a series of initiations and so forth and th the cost of getting your hands on some of these materials like scrolls papyrus scrolls cost a lot and a lot of money like in acts nineteen nineteen, for example mm. um when the magicians they repented they came to christ they they burnt uh their scrolls and they burnt fifty thousand silver coins worth of scrolls that's because it was so hard to get your material your hands on an occult book and now you can go to any bookstore in that is North America yeah. and, and everyone is digesting this information if not directly through um, New Age teachers indirectly through I don't know maybe things like um, you know Harry Potter or other stuff the alchemist other kind of other kinds of books that have these themes, themes in them that may open bridges or doorways and curiosities that just shouldn't be there so um, I think part of the reason people are so interested in it is because they're under oppression by their exposure to it. And also, too, if you, even if you look at the movies, I mean, how many of these supernatural films that are out, like Paranormal Activity, and I mean, I even saw Doctor Who, and it teaches, it, it was all about time, uh, astro traveling. Mm -hmm. There's all these different underlying things that are showing the occult, which you just think, oh, it's, it's, it's nothing. Yeah, it's actually all underlying occult stuff. Right. So... Now, I guess the phone lines are working, so we're going to go ahead and grab uh, this phone call from uh, David. David, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. You hear me, Ryan? All right, yes. Thank you for calling in. So, hey, you have, you have a story you want to share tonight. Can you, this is uh, Pastor David uh, Trujillo from Calvary Chapel, South L.A. Go ahead, dude. Tell us. Well, first of all, you know, um, let me just give you this. When I remember when I was young, um, we grew up uh, in, a, in a Christian home. My dad was heavily involved in, in ministry. But prior to that, I remember when, when we were about nine years old, uh, me and my brothers, uh, my mom was really sick at that time. And I remember we walked into the, 
we were actually in the room, and uh, one we saw my mom. We got up, and you know my mom was pretty much like in the bed, type of hanging a little bit off the you know off the bed to the floor, and she was kind of twisted, and we didn't know what it was exactly. Um, you know, we were little, so you know we told our grandma, you know, what's going on with her. Were, were you guys grandma, were you guys in the god at all or anything at that time? Oh, not that not at that time yet. Yeah, okay. at that time, you know, my dad my dad were you know we were, my dad was still doing his thing. My mom, you know, her mom around that time she was a little bit sick. But what happened was um, she um, she was kind of her body was twisted, her mouth was um, was uh, kind of like to the side, and she was making a lot of noises and stuff. And, and we didn't know exactly what it was. And we asked our grandma, but you know, gra- grandmas you know usually have uh, answers for for everything, especially when you're young. You know, she was talking yeah. about, oh no, don't worry, man, she just twisted because she ate late at night. <laughs> but the reality was it, it wasn't. My, my mom was possessed. And I remember, um, I remember they tried to cast a demon out, and and as far as I remember, I who was trying to out. cast the demon out? There was some priests at that time. Okay, so yeah, the Catholic priest over. Yeah, yeah, they had, there were some priests that were trying to cast the demon out, and eventually it came out and it jumped to my aunt. So um, at that, it came, my, it came out of her and then went into your aunt. Yes, it went into my aunt, and I remember my aunt was then she stood on a on a table uh, that was in the living room. And, and she was kind of looking up, her eyes rolled back, and, and she began to say that she was married, and she was demanding worship. And um, at that time, you know, people began to, to worship her, and that's when the priest started saying, no, no, you know, don't worship her, that's, that's not of God, that's, that's not Mary, that's, you know, that's, she's possessed, you know. And last time we know, uh, last time, the last thing I can remember was she eventually, you know, after a while, you know, the, the priest doing what he was doing, you know, the demon left her. Um, went out, you know, they closed the door and they were encouraging us not to, not to go out. You know, everybody was scared, you know, I mean, it, it, it was some freaky stuff, <laughs> you know? So what, what was the outcome of everything? Well, How- the outcome was that, um, um, well, eventually nothing really happened other than my mom remained sick, you know, to, um, to this day, you know, I, I believe in my, my, you know, her sickness is probably connected to, to that. Um, uh, but I mean, I can, you know, there's a lot of stories, you know, if I can give you this quick one, I remember I was preparing a study. On demon possession. Um, as I was preparing that study, you know, it was around three o'clock, and I, I decided to go. You know, I had to go pick up my kids at school, but at the same time, in the background, I had the TV going. So when I got up, you know, to turn off the TV so I can go pick up my kid and put my Bible aside, uh, I reached out over to turn off the TV, and immediately I felt uh, this pr- evil presence. It, it literally grabbed me from from my face, and it threw me across the room, mm-hmm. and it pinched me against the sofa and the floor. And I remember crying out, saying, oh, God, God, this is creepy, man, you know, mm. help, you know. And, and immediately when I started crying out, you know, boom, you can feel the presence, you know, this evil presence leave. And I was, I was freaking out, you know. I remember getting up, and, and I just grabbed my shoes, and I, and I ran. I, I didn't even close the door. I remember I, I, I was driving to go pick up my kids, and the whole time I'm just, like, shaking and stuff. Because I didn't know, I mean, I knew what it was, but, you know, you, know, you try to play it, dumb it down in your mind because you're freaking out. Yeah. But anyways, when I picked up my kids, I remember my kids, you know, jumping in the car and saying, Dad, why are you white? What's going on? You know, and that's when I was able to share with them, you know. So I believe, yes, um, um, the demons, you know, uh, especially if you're a believer, they can't protect you. They can oppress you and they can attack you, especially if you're doing something that's going to, you know, distract what, what they're trying to do. And that is to destroy mankind. Boom. Thank you very much, David, for that call. And thank you for answering that question. Can a, de- can a Christian be demon possessed? No, but they can be harassed.
Amen. All right, man. Love you, brother. Thanks for calling in. Love you too, Ryan. God bless you, buddy. Peace, brother. So, okay. So we heard this live story of this guy that happened, you know, this to his his, um, mom and his uh, aunt. Well, what what does the Bible say about demon possession? Well, possession or just the demonic realm as a whole. You know, when we, to know, to understand the reality of evil, you need to know of Satan. And the demonic realm. What is what we see? Demons, right? What are demons? Uh, We believe that the Bible teaches that demons are fallen angels uh, that didn't keep their proper state for which they were created. Demons are created beings. Satan, a created being. Um, The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, in um, chapter uh, fourteen, and then Ezekiel twenty-eight, when it kind of gives you a picture of Satan and that he was a very beautiful creature. Um, you have the eye wills of Satan basically putting his will above God's will. And at that moment, Satan is cast out of, out of heaven. Along with him, he takes his demonic realm. The demonic realm, and you go to the Garden of Eden and the fall of man, and you see that at that moment, Satan also takes basically the title deed of the earth. The Bible says that the, that the Satan is the god of this age. The God of this age has blinded the eyes of the people so they shall not see. Uh, even with Jesus and the temptation uh, of him, he didn't argue that Satan can give all of the, the, the world, everything around. He didn't deny that. But he said, you shall worship the Lord God and only him shall you serve. So the reality of Satan and the demonic realm, we have seen since that time. And it goes all the way through as we were talking about in the New Testament as well. And we'll go back later what it shows in the old testament but in the new testament we see a lot of demon possession in jesus ministry you see a lot of people that are oppressed the bible says the people who start in darkness shall see a great light jesus had power to cast out demons there were some that were in different forms there were those that were this physical thing where they're hunched over and they're being harassed uh, there's others that are uh, seizuring you know with a, a demonic spirit within them um Various, there's very violent ones like Legion in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. So we see the demonic realm at that aspect, all the way to even with um, in Exodus. You brought bring that up as well, and we'll, we'll get there in a little yeah, bit. Totally. Um, but we do see it all the way through the Old and New Testament, and it's a reality that has been there since that time, right? <clears throat> I think we would want to uh clarify something for the viewers the difference between manifestation and possession yes because people they see manifestation and they think that's the only evidence of possession um that's one of many evidences of of possession people are possessed before they manifest so there's all these hollywood films glorifying you know exorcisms and um creating the stereotype in our minds that it, in order to be demon-possessed, you have to be in a constant state of manifestation where you're scratching at your, your skin or you're all contorted up or you're eating spiders mm-hmm. or something. That's not what the Bible says about possession. People are possessed by demons, and when Jesus is walking through the streets, he's just walking by. These people, they weren't manifesting prior to Jesus walking by. He walks by, demons manifest and, and say, I know who thou art, the Holy One of God, or I know who you are. Christ, the son of the blessed. And Jesus tells them not to tell anybody who he is. Um, so you, you can be absolutely possessed by a demon in terms of having one actually indwelling you without them actually manifesting. Okay. So we need to get rid of this idea that 
constant manifestation is a necessary condition right. for demon possession. That's simply false. Um, I, I think something that would be helpful to say about the demonic realm, just to maybe uh, debunk or address another common misconception, is uh, uh, it's thought of as being kind of taboo or um, maybe rare in a sense or novel because there's this other misconception about uh, Satan and his demons existing in hell right now. Um, while there are some evil spirits down there, that's not what the Bible says about where Satan is. He's not in hell, and the demons who are actually doing damage in our world right now, they're not in hell. Um, it actually says that Satan uh, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Um, it says in uh, Ephesians 2, uh, chapter 2, it calls Satan the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So why is it, so he's the, what's the power of the air? It's speaking of an ethereal parallel spirit realm, and Satan is the prince of this realm. And in Ephesians 6, uh, it also locates uh, the, the principalities and the authorities and the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where the Bible says our warfare uh, against our souls is taking place. So, when you understand that uh, you, you don't need to be in a constant man manifested state to be possessed, and when you understand that demons and Satan um, are right on the other side of the veil, they're literally on the other side of the veil, and we can give a foothold to the devil um, through sin in our lives, right? So uh, it, it, it kind of brings a greater sense of urgency to this issue when we stop thinking of Satan and his minions, you know, holding pitchforks 3,000 meters down in the core of the earth. No, they're right on the other side of the veil, yeah. and you're creating bridges all day, left, right, and center, but, and you don't realize it. What's another word it. for veil, like uh, for, for someone that that's just listening and they don't understand? Um, uh, just uh, there, be another dimension. Right, you could yeah. call it like the, a, a spirit realm the or spirit realm, the yeah. spirit realm. The veil would be the, the spirit realm, basically. Right, so there is a, a greater sense of urgency when we realize they're in close proximity to us. Mm -hmm. And because they're in close proximity to us, they're able to build bridges from the spirit realm into the natural. They don't have to burrow all the way up through hell, right? Mm -hmm. And they're able to do this primarily, primarily Scripture says, through um, uh, convincing us to be in a state of either sinful behavior or sinful attitudes. And, and let's break down uh, oppression versus, um, oppression versus uh, possession. Right. You guys want to do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, <laughs> I would say <laughs> from Scripture and from experience that mm. I, I would say it's right to say a Christian couldn't be possessed um, in, terms of in terms of having a demon actually living inside of them. Um, because in order for a person to be possessed, they have to be indwelt by a demon. And, and the way I, I've kind of understood um, through experience and analogy demon possession, they kind of get woven into you like a basket and they're kind of weaved into you and their eyes become your eyes. Mm. That can't happen when you have the Holy Spirit inside you. It's, right. the, it's the presence of God. He, he, he pushes out and casts out all evil. So, and they hate, they hate the presence of God. That's, that's, their, that's their weakness, They're right? They're trying to be woven in with God. Right, they can't be woven in with God. So, um, but I do think that they can kind of be attached to your soul in some way, not possessed in terms of indwelling. I think that they can be attached to some level of your mind maybe or some level of your flesh. Mm -hmm. And it may require you to do things like deliverance prayers, and, you know, uh, warfare prayers over your soul, even though they're not actually indwelling you. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that, would actually, what that would look like and translate to mechanically speaking mm -hmm. about how they're able to oppress a Christian. But um, they clearly have access to our minds as believers that can implant thoughts in our head. A perfect mm -hmm. example of this would be um, Peter, of all people, 
believer in Jesus Christ by any you know, standard Old Testament or New Testament completely saved. If we're going to believe what it says in Romans 4 that Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness, Peter believed that Jesus was the Christ. He confessed him publicly as being the Christ, yet he even had his thoughts influenced by Satan. I believe it's in Matthew, uh, 16. Say Matthew, Matthew 16 or 17 yeah. or something. And Satan puts a thought into his head as a believer, right? As someone who's biblically saved. And he rebukes Jesus for saying that he's going to be crucified and risen. And, and, and Jesus addresses the spirit who operated through him saying, get behind me, Satan. So obviously Satan wasn't po- didn't possess course, yeah. Peter yeah. as a believer, but that's an example of oppression. His thoughts were being oppressed and influenced, um, even in a state of being saved. And us as Christians, we all know that we could be influenced. I mean, you know, like you could be on social media and something yeah. could pop up and you all of a sudden you just, there's just things that could happen in your life where you can get that that, um, that um, what is it called, that, um, that influence. And the Bible tells us to bring every uh, thought into subjection to the obedience of Christ. And in that, Paul is talking about the spiritual realm. He's talking about spiritual warfare. Um, also, when you think of oppression, I think you got to think about Job because the Bible says, as he was saying earlier, that Peter says that Satan walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In the book of Job, you see that played out. You see that uh, the enemy was able to have access to him. First, as one thing that's noted about Job is this, that there was nobody as righteous as Job upon the earth. He was a very godly man. He was a very godly father, um, waking up early in the morning, praying for his children. And in one day, he is destroyed. He loses everything that he owns. And then after that, a horrible state of oppression um, that even attacked him physically, soars from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. And throughout the whole story of Job, there are even those, his friends, questioning that there is something wrong with him. Either he's not right before God or something like that. But Job was a very righteous man that was dealing with definitely oppression uh, of the enemy. And he had to go to Jesus or he had to go to God and ask him if he could touch Job. And he said, you could touch him, but you can't take his life. Right. So you were allowed to, to, to have these things that would happen. And there was a lot of several, several events that happened to him, but he was not allowed to take his life. Right. That's so, another example too. in, in Job one six of where Satan has access to the throne of God. Mm-hmm. He's we're, not researching. He, yeah. Well, that's where they ask him. Where you been? I've been right. going back and back, back and, and forth. forth through the earth, right. studying your your servant Job. Right. So he's not in the lake of fire yet. You know, Matthew twenty five, Jesus says that um, the, the unrighteous will be cast into the place prepared for the devil and his angels. They're not there yet, though. So we should kind of get that stereotype um, out of our minds. Now, I think we should comment too. Do you think? Would you guys? You guys would agree, obviously, that it's um, probably the only chance, or sorry, the only uh, um, example in Scripture where God permitted. Uh, demonic oppression or satanic oppression to a believer for the purpose of um, teaching humanity some grand lesson that most of the time, I mean, pretty much all the time in scripture, especially in the new covenant, if you are walking in obedience and righteousness and in relationship with God, your promise is um, 100% freedom. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I, I would say yes, for sure. You also see in the the epistle, and I believe it's in uh, Corinthians where there was a man that was given over to outright sin, somebody that was in uh, the ministry, in, in the church, and they weren't repenting. They were continuing staying in their sin. And one of the exhortations that was given by Paul was to give him over to Satan for the destruction 
of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the second Corinthians, he talks about, okay, that one that you've corrected, now kind of bring him back into the fold because we are not ignorant of Satan's schemes, exactly. right? Not wanting Satan to destroy the life of this person. There was something, okay, you're going, not going to walk with the Lord. You're going to walk in disobedience. You're going to walk in sin. You want to serve God or you want to serve Satan? And kind of gave him over to that until there was destruction of the flesh, brokenness, repentance, and bringing back into the fold. All right, perfect. We're going to go ahead and take this call on line, uh, what is it, line one for Mary Ann calling from Orange. How are you doing tonight, Mary? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for calling. Can you uh, yeah. go go to, go to, go ahead and tell us what you like? <laughs> okay, well, I... Um... I was not a Christian at this time, but I was demonically uh, possessed. It started in December 2014, mm-hmm. and it lasted 19 months. And it was absolutely a time of, I felt like I was at work when it happened, and it was late, and I actually felt kind of like I had to catch my breath, and like some some. Demonic force had just kind of completely taken up, had taken over. Okay, I got a question then, though. Hold on a sec. Yeah. How did this even start? Like, what were you into? Were you like? I was in. I was into. I wasn't saved. I was into um, over-the-counter drugs. I got addicted to prescription drugs, alcohol. I was into the occult. Um, you know, what, what, what kind of occult stuff? Psychic stuff, like psychic readings. Um, Ouija boards, uh, tarot cards, um, mm-hmm. things like of that. Nature. When you when you were into that stuff, did you know you were messing with the demonic realm, or like what was that experience? I didn't know. I really didn't know. I thought it, it was a friend of mine who was a psychic, and I, I thought it was fun, and I you know um, encouraged my friends to see her, and I really didn't know at the time that it would open a door. I had no idea. So then, so tell us about the experience of how. Uh, like, how do you know that you were, you got possessed? Because at this point when you were doing the Ouija boards and stuff, was there supernatural stuff happening at your house or around you or was it? Well, it started like very young, like in my adolescent years, um, just dabbling with Ouija boards as kids and doing seances and things like that. And again, at that time, I, I just thought it was fun. We were just doing that as kids. But the possession actually, as I started getting into the addiction of like prescription drugs and drinking, that's when the door opened, like, you know, opened wide. And it happened December the 2014. And I felt like the entity came in. I actually lost my breath at that time when I was at work. And then all of a sudden, it just, my life completely just was in a tailspin out of control. I started cutting myself. I was cutting my neck, my wrist. I was trying to asphyxiate myself with my belt um, all the time. And it was like complete destruction. And um, just doing things and saying things I normally would not do. Were you you manifesting and speaking in different languages and like going like contorting or like what? No, none of that. None of that. I was, it never manifested that way. It manifested in, like, destruction of my body, like cutting myself, wanting to commit suicide. Um, I ended up going to the hospital on a 5150, and I remember being there for six days at a psychiatric hospital. And I couldn't I, – one thing I distinctly remember during this is I couldn't feel anything. I could feel no emotions. It's like someone was in my body 
you know, they had their hand, I'm driving, but they had their hands on the wheel. I want to go left, but they want to go right. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, I, I couldn't feel anything. I was devoid of any type of emotion. It was like someone just stole my identity and started just taking over my life because I was doing things I couldn't explain. I was saying things I, you know, I couldn't explain. And um, one thing that I also noticed when I was in the hospital, um, they had a service dog, and I went up to pet the service dog, and it actually sensed the evil, and it recoiled. It, it tried everything to get away from me. And there were some cats there, too, that we were trying to feed, and they hissed at me. And they also had another pet therapy animal. I think it was like a a hamster or a guinea pig that they had brought in, but it was a a pet therapy uh, type of animal. Marianne, I'm going to cut you off because we're going to go to break in about 30 seconds, but I want to continue. I want to continue this phone call. So just go ahead. I'm going to put you on hold, and we're going to go to break in in a second. Hey, interesting enough, this call, mm-hmm. the Legion. Remember when Jesus rolled up on the Legion and he ran down on him? He was cutting himself. Mm-hmm. Self-destruction. You know, she says that, she, I think she said she wasn't taking showers or just kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Legion was living in caves, cutting himself. Um, we, you just said that, you know, possession, you don't always have to manifest. Mm-hmm. She wasn't manifesting, but mm-hmm. she felt something had complete control right. of her body. Mm-hmm. So interesting. It's just when you, when you hear these stories and, oh, we're at break. We'll be right back in two minutes. More live with Ryan Reese coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now. 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop de doo Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I warn you. What's up? What's up? We are back. The first part of the show has been wild. We're talking about demon possession. We're talking about the occult. We're l- relating what's happening um, t- in today's culture with astrology, Ouija boards, um, movies that are pushing the agenda, and just stuff that we get ourselves into that open up the doorways. And then we always take it back to Jesus and the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, what it says. And uh, I don't know, right before the break, we we're talking to this this girl, Marianne, and Wow, she uh, she basically had uh, she was she was at work and she felt something basically come inside of her body and basically she lost her wind and that was basically a wrap. She she had a, a, a demon manifesting in her, taking complete control of her body. So we're gonna continue that call, Mary Ann. So yeah. tell us about this. So now you're what, what's going on? You 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 got you're cutting yourself. You're trying to hang yourself. Um, how's this yeah. even working, dude? You're going to work, and what you I'm got cuts all over your body, or what's up? Uh, well, I was mainly cutting my my neck, like the the jugular area, and I would just put a scarf and a band aid, and I was like, just scaring my coworkers because they. I mean, I was just totally irrational, and I I just just had lost it at that point. And then I ended up resigning from my job. Um, I did. I would like. I didn't bathe. For a week, and I smelled bad. I 
was like, okay, you know, I'm either going to kill myself or just be homeless. It was like, I lost 31 pounds. It was like complete destruction. And then after I was released from the hospital, I remember this went on for months. I would like wake up at like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And I'd do it on the weekends too. And the weekdays and just drive aimlessly around town going in circles. And I remember distinctly that there were telepathic thoughts or impressions um, that would say, hey, why don't you stop your car and jump, you know, oh, you know, jump off the 405 freeway or go to a hotel and go to the top floor and jump off. Hmm. I mean, constant, like, just kill yourself, kill yourself. And um, I, I mean, just driving aimlessly. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my gas. And you have and no, you have no stop. control to pull over and stop no. the car and go home. That's, yeah, I, I just had terrorizing no control. You. It was like, yeah, they were terrorizing me constantly. It was like unrelented torture. And this lasted for 19 months. I mapped it out. It's 19 months, and um, it, it was just they just wanted to destroy me. That's that was their objective. So how'd you come out and of this? I came out of it. It was June 25th, 2016. I had no one but Jesus to go to call out to. At that point, I just hit rock bottom. But why would you I, call I, out I, on Jesus if you're into psych, you know, witchcraft, psychics, and all this stuff, Ouija boards? Why would you even call it to Jesus? Because I knew of Jesus. I knew of Jesus. I knew the, a, a sense of God at that time. And I always did. I, mean, I've got, I went to church and whatnot, so I knew of God. I didn't have a relationship with him. I wasn't really saved, um, but I knew of him. And he was the only person—I had no one but him to go to. So I cried out to him. I got on my knees, and I just said, Jesus, help me. I can't do this anymore. I mean, I'm just just out of control. And I, I sincerely, I sincerely ask you into my heart. And from that moment forward, there was a sense of astounding peace in my apartment, and I could think clearly for the first time in a long time. And my life has changed, like, dramatically from that moment forward. It was like an immediate transformation at that point. Dude, and, that is um, amazing. And he's blessed me beyond my imagination. Awesome. So where are you going to church now? Uh, Coast Mesa Calvary. Nice. Beautiful, right here. Yes. In our, we're actually here right now. All right. Yes. Well, hey, Mary, you're awesome. Yes. Jesus saves. Thanks for your call. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> awesome. All right, boys. Where does where do we know uh, the occult comes from in the Bible? Let's go old school, Old Testament stuff. Old school. Well, I mean, technically speaking, all right. Technically speaking, um, the occult started in the garden. Um, the word occult means hidden. And um, Satan's first plan against humanity was to try and uh, get them to explore something forbidden mm. that was hidden. So it was an occultic motive uh, by definition. So he was the OG occultist, Satan. Furthermore, he, he tells them that uh, they can access inner divinity or ascend to the level of God through special knowledge, through eating from the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil. So, and that's entirely where Gnosticism comes from. The word Gnosticism is derived from the word uh, gnosis, which means knowledge. So technically speaking, um, occultic ideas have their root um, in the Garden of Eden. But I think um, the 
the first place you really see that manifest in the Bible in terms of um, occultic power and demons actually working through individuals to bring. Or what uh, about just even witchcraft? Like just uh, like like in Je- uh, Exodus too. I think that'd probably that'd probably be the first place. So Exodus seven, yeah. uh, Exodus chapter right. seven yeah. uh, through seven. To, to chapter eight. Um, you know Moses and Aaron. They have a word from the Lord saying, "You need to go to Pharaoh. I'm going to give you uh, an anointing to go do these miracles. I'm going to do them through you." He's going to see these miracles and you're going to say, you know, the Lord wants you to let my people go. So when Moses and Aaron throw their staff down and it turns into a snake, it says that um, Pharaoh called his magicians. So he knew they had power and ability. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called them. This right. wasn't like a surprise. You know, it's the mm-hmm. first time they've ever done anything. Now, it's, this is Egyptian black magic. It's practiced in the New Age movement. Oh, really? Pharaoh knew there was power to this. And when he, the magicians came, it says they replicated the miracle by their secret arts. So the mechanism was their secret arts. Now, obviously, we know that's tied into the demonic realm, but it's interesting that Moses and Aaron weren't like, wow, Lord, you know, even even the demons have power. They knew. Mm-hmm. So the, the secret arts, the, the magicians through their secret arts were able to replicate um, the, the throwing down of the staff, turning it into a snake, um, turning water into blood, and uh, I believe having frogs come up. The plagues of the frogs come up. Yep. So um, that would probably be the first example of, of witchcraft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean, the Bible is very clear. I've seen some commentaries try to say, well, you know, they were, it was more of a sleight of hand and they were doing it by – that's not what the Bible says. Yeah, no. It says by their secret art. So if we're just going to do the proper exegesis of the text, we have to believe that there is a demonic um, reality behind yeah. uh, witchcraft, which, by the way, ties into Acts 16.16, 16, the spirit of divination who was within the woman giving her the, the ability to – to predict the fortune, and she lost that ability when it got cast out. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to Chuck Smith today in, in, in Exodus, and he was saying that even to date, right now, there are a group of Egyptians that still pla- still practice that that art. Oh, yeah. Egyptian uh, witchcraft. Right. It's called, it, it, they'll call it Hermeticism. Um, you know, there's like the Hermetic Order of the, go- the Golden Dawn. Um, Aleister Crowley taught and practiced that kind of stuff. So, yeah, stuff. all the Aleister Crowley stuff went, came from the Egyptian stuff. All of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all recycled. He was obsessed with Egypt. Um, he p- believed he channeled and met a god uh, from Egypt, Thoth. He has a, a book called The Book of Thoth. He has a Thoth tarot deck. Um, he was obsessed with ancient Egypt. Um, yeah. And I think something to note, too, I think that example, too, that took place in, in Exodus is a very important picture of this to not be, um, slot, not to be confused by signs. Signs are something that the enemy can do. Right. And, and so if somebody's just looking for signs uh, and you don't have discernment, you can open yourself up to a lot of things. Even in Second Thessal- uh, Thessalonians, I, I opened up to where um, the first part of it is talking about the Holy Spirit working in the church and eventually the Antichrist is going to be revealed. But he gives a couple characteristics of the Antichrist by saying this, the coming of the lawless one is according to the workings of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Uh, this is talking about for the, us that believe in the pre-tribulation that the church would be out of the way. And here, um, who he's speaking of, who he's revealing himself to, unrighteous deception to those who rejected the love of God. And so that is something that I think, especially in day and age now where people are so infatuated with this. You were saying earlier, because of the access to so much knowledge, whether through books, whether through media, YouTube, you know, various kind of different things that people open themselves up to, 
and very important. But yeah, going back to the beginning of the Bible, I, I would agree too. Exodus 7 gives us an illustration of that. Um, but the children of Israel also, when um, Moses is led to take the children of Israel out of Egypt and taking them to the promised land, there were many exhortations given through Moses to the people by God to not be given over to the practices of evil and of witchcraft that was in the land of the Canaanites. And so that's when it opens up to the, the gods of Molech and Ashtaroth. Um, and, and, Baal, and Baal, all these are these false gods uh, that many of, you know, as Baal, I believe, is being one of the, the major ones. Astra had this, the fertility one, sexual rights were in that, plus other uh, things as well. Um, Moloch was the one of the, the ch child sacrifice and Pleasure. stuff like that. So it was all kind of mixed in together. And so you see that theme brought up multiple times throughout the Old Testament through the kings and to the and through chronicles, the prophets um, rejecting it. Let me read something really quick, just so you could see it. This is before the children of Israel even went into the promised land. One of the exhortations in Deuteronomy 18 is this: When you come into the land which the Lord, and this is um, Deuteronomy chapter 18, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall be not found among you anyone who makes a son or daughter pass through the fire, sacrifice, one who practices witchcraft, is a soothsayer, uh, or one who interprets omens or sorcery, or one who conjures spells or mediums or spiritualists, or one who calls up from the dead. All of these, all who do these things are abomination to the Lord, and because of these, the abominations of the Lord, your God drives them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. That's a, that talks about everything. Right. From the things that we're talking about today, psychics, those that are having these seance, talking about that as well. Horoscopes. Opening up, playing that you think you could yeah. play in this demonic realm and not be impacted or infected, you're wrong. Right. This, this is the deal. People think that the Bible is this old school book. It's not relevant. You guys, the Bible's been dealing with this garbage since the beginning of time. They've been writing about it for the last 6,000 years. It's in the book. Just read the book, and God's Word shows you that this has been happening for a very long time. People think, oh, it's the New Age, or horoscopes, or Ouija boards, or tarot cards, or angel cards. This is all new. This is like new stuff. They're going to tell me you know, my fortune and my future. No, it's witchcraft. It's 100% the occult. Why don't you touch on, we got a comment about uh, horoscopes from Jenny out in uh, Yorba Linda. You want to touch on that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he made an interesting comment just about like Satan working in signs yeah. and wonders. Mm -hmm. Jesus says an adulterous and sinful generation looks after a sign. Mm -hmm. So if you're out here sign seeking instead of truth seeking, then your heart's not in the right place mm -hmm. and you're way more open to being deceived. You need to want the truth. And then when you want the truth, Jesus... I mean, you draw close to him, he's going to draw close to you. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right, and the Holy Spirit's the spirit of truth. Um, so I'll comment on this, the, this comment about horoscopes, but uh, it was interesting, just a quick point about uh, Marianne's testimony. So yeah. there's this idea, people get tricked into thinking that 100% of their thoughts are their own. 
and that's that's simply not true, right? So he, she had these irri- irresistible urges. She said to to kill your to kill herself to jump off. So I used to have that stuff when I was in the New Age movement. I used to I used to have this irresistible temptation to drive into oncoming traffic because I wanted to see what it felt like. Like what would it be like to completely destroy my life and end up in jail for the rest of my life? What would that? Those why there's nowhere in scripture that says that I have to believe. That's my thought, right? Those thoughts aren't coming from from me. When you have a demon indwelling you or even oppressing you, sometimes they're expressing their thoughts and their appetites and their attitudes through you. I mean, we already touched the example with Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. So he's addressing uh, the thoughts of someone else, not Peter. Yeah. Right. So not all your thoughts belong to you. And it's a healthy habit to maybe start questioning your thoughts. Where's this thought coming from? Is it a, a thought of slander and accusation? If so, maybe it's coming from the accuser of the brethren. Okay, so this question about horoscopes, um, uh, open up the demonic realm when you're looking into horoscopes. Okay, so you have to understand uh, um, in, in a basic sense, there's this issue of what you could call legal ground um, or legal right where God has set up a system where there's spiritual laws that demons have to operate by. They don't have complete free reign over our earth. If they did, every single person would be killed before they got saved to guarantee everyone's damnation. Mm -hmm. So there are certain rules they have to operate within. But God has chosen to express his sovereignty and his control in such a way where he has decided and, and determined in advance to give demons access to us insofar as we give them access to us. So insofar as we yield to them, submit to them, and open ourselves up to them, God has determined that, okay, if you're going to be involved in that amount of sin, they're going to have a certain degree of leeway and influence into your life. And yes, that'll result in bondage and torment, but that's the way I've structured the the spiritual laws of the universe. So to give you an example, um, Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27, uh, Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your your anger um, and give no opportunity to the devil. The word in Greek there is topos, which actually means make room for. So when you are holding on to a sinful attitude, you are literally making room for the devil to come into your life. That's what Ephesians says. That's actually why it it says also in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 2, verses 10 to 11, he says, says, I forgive people um, so that I will not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Okay, so there's there's this issue, whereas if you're in sin, you are giving demons access into your life, plain and simple. The best example? Influence. Influence yeah. or even indwelt access. Yeah, you can. Depending yeah. on what you're involved in, right? Yeah. So a perfect, a, a good example of this, um, which ties into this question about horoscopes, is okay, so 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 20 to 22, um, Paul is describing Christians sitting at a table uh at being part of a, a, a sacrilegious feast with meat that was offered unto idols. And he says, if you're taking part of that, you are sitting at the table of demons. And he says, you can't sit at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. You can't drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. So that's an example where Paul is referencing in particular pagan sacrifice. But a logical deduction from that would be, okay, that would also apply obviously to things like pagan worship, right? right? Or pagan adoration, not just sacrifice. What about pagan worship? Okay, so what about things like incense? That's pagan worship. People don't know that. What about certain yoga poses? that are meant to invoke the properties and the essence and the qualities of certain gods. People don't, that, that's a pagan form of worship. Okay, what about chanting? What about singing bowls? Okay, what about having idols all throughout your house? The Bible is clear that this stuff's idolatry, but from 1 Corinthians 10, 20 to 22, it seems like this would also put us at the seat, or sorry, at the table of demons. Okay, what about, so if, if pagan sacrifice and pagan worship give demons this kind of access, what about something like horoscopes? where it's more like pagan ritual. 
okay, and pagan behavior. Maybe more general things like uh, meditation or uh, things like astrology or things like alchemy. All the, all the stuff that God put uh, the death penalty on in the Old Testament, I mean, I would, I would assume those behaviors and practices would also fit into this description of 1 Corinthians 10. I think that's obvious and very clear. So, God has set it up where if you're going to be involved in a certain kind of idolatry, the spiritual kingdom is such that you're creating a bridge from the spirit realm. And remember, they're very close in proximity to us. I think that's why I prefer the word bridge rather than doorway. Doorway sounds a little ambiguous and kind of out there. It's just a bridge, just a simple bridge. If you have idols in your life, if you're partaking in spiritual adultery, it's a bridge from the natural to the supernatural. They're trying to get their kingdom in here and infiltrate the natural realm and establish it here on earth. And they're doing that by creating and designing these tools and giving them to mankind and people in their ignorance are filling their houses with them and they're participating in these things that God used to wipe people out for, mm-hmm. right? And they don't even realize it. Um, so that's basically the, the issue of how the demonic realm can be opened from something as small as, you know, being into astrology. Yeah. I, and I would also add too, you know, he, he kind of hit on something very simple. Um, it is rebellion. There, there, there's rebellion. That's what Satan did. He, he rebelled. Um, when you look at Saul, King Saul, the, the first king uh, of the nation of Israel as well, as time went on, the Bible says, now, the problem with Saul was is that he was disobedient multiple times. Um, eventually, you know, God had patience with him, but eventually he was judged. The kingdom is going to be taken away from him. And also at that time, there was a demonic spirit that harassed him from that time for the rest of his life, basically. And David yep. was that man who was a, a worship leader, basically. Somebody that was um, obviously anointed by the Lord. And his presence in Saul's house, playing worship, would be the only thing that would bring him um, peace and soothing in, in the house when David was there. But you look at Saul's life for the rest of the time. He's right with um, David for a little bit. He's saying the right things. And then... David's having to run from a spear he's at like the, the dinner table. He's like a double-minded man. He's yeah. just like back and forth. And, he, and he's tormented. Yep. All the way down. Now, the rebellion now links him to a way of drifting all the way from God, where he doesn't know God. He, you, there's a point that points out where um, Saul wants uh, Samuel to uh, pray for, to his God, it says. Um, at this point, Saul has no relationship with the Lord, and he's not hearing... Um, direction and what does he do he goes to a medium and he knows he's the king he would be able to execute judgment on anybody because of deuteronomy chapter 18 anybody practices things will be in death think about how far saul's life came to a place where he's having to disguise himself and partakes of a now, medium practice. a medium is that that's where like a demon manifests in the body right and the demon speaks through if you're a medium well, the word medium, it literally just means like an actual medium, kind of like so demons will be trying to communicate something or Excellent. spirit guides or whatever, and there's a person acting as the medium by which they speak. They speak through them. They speak through them. Yeah, they deliver messages. Yeah, so here's them. this guy that was walking with God, and all of a sudden he went all the way back to the, to, to the occult, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because he knew, he, knew, he knew to go to her to hear something. Like he was under the impression that there was at least something there, mm-hmm. and uh, – she was actually surprised with what she saw. That's that's a, a rare instance in Scripture mm-hmm. where um, God did actually permit, most commentaries will agree that God did permit Samuel to actually come through. And this woman freaked out because she she saw Samuel coming out of the abyss and said, I see a God. 
coming out of the earth. So obviously she's not used to seeing actual people come through and actual dead spirits come through. Otherwise, she she yelled and then said, he, Sam, uh, Saul's like, what do you see? I see a God. So she's used to seeing something. Sam, uh, Saul knows she's seeing something. That's why he went to her, but it wasn't dead human spirits because the first time she actually saw a dead human spirit, um, she freaked out. So um, obviously there, she's getting into contact with something else, not actually real spirits. So we have about three minutes left. Mm-hmm. What do you guys want to say to the listeners that may be dabbling with any of this stuff? What should they do? I would say first, the cool thing about Marianne's testimony is that the power of God touched her life and she was set free. Understand that Satan and God are not on the same plateau. The greater is he that is in us and he that is of the world. And you referenced Chuck Smith earlier and talking about Exodus 7 and the reality of the occult and Egyptians. He was talking about when he was in seminary, a professor was giving him a book and like, this is a book on the practices of the witchcraft and stuff like that, right? And he's like, but after you read it, burn it, right? And then Chuck's like, well, after I read it, burn it, you know, forget it. He just burns it. Like, he didn't even want to open himself up to that. Yeah. And the Bible says this, and, and this is important because a lot of people can get caught up in this stuff and get so sensational with it. Um, Paul says, be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Mm-hmm. This is not a place to just, like, meander and do more research on the demonic realm. Mm-hmm. As a Bible teacher, I teach on it when you go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Um, but it shouldn't be a thing where you're just meditating on the demonic realm. You meditate on the true and the living God. Right. Um, I would say st- stop researching this thing for fun. Even secular researchers like uh, Jacques Vallée, one of the most um, significant uh, UFO ufologists of all time, recognizes the connection between demonic or sorry, alien abduction phenomenon and an interest in the occult. He believed these were nefarious supernatural entities doing these alien abductions. He didn't think they were extraterrestrials, but secular research shows that these experiences with sleep paralysis and with astral attack and with alien abduction are linked to a fascination with the occult. Okay, so that's just a secular fact in in ufology. So, So get your... Get your mind away from this stuff. Get this stuff out of your house, right? If we're going to believe um, what what Paul says, that you can create bridges between the spirit realm and the natural realm by partaking in idolatry, go through your house and see if you have anything that would qualify as being idolatry, whether this is books, whether it's clothing items with weird symbols on them, whether it's um, statues and idols, crystals, jewelry, postery, yeah. posters. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Pornography. Um, a lot of the times people are under oppression and the spiritual atmosphere of their house is, is distorted and kind of like murky and dissonant and they don't really know why. They think the relationship with the Lord is fine, but they have they have bridges created in their house from the demonic realm because of these idols, the presence of these idols, which demons are attached to in the spirit. All throughout the Old Testament, you know, Leviticus 17, 17, Deuteronomy 32, uh, 17, um, the spiritual power behind the idol is always a demon. That's what the Bible says. So that'd be the first thing. The second thing real quick is get yourself into a local church body. Um, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Um, a good example of this is in Mark Mark 9, uh, starting at verse 20, when the very presence of Jesus caused the demon to convulse and go on the ground and start seizing. The presence of the Lord leads to deliverance. Demons can't stand it. So if you're, under, if you're in oppression, you need to go where the spirit of the Lord is. Yes, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But just like the air is everywhere, being in front of a fan, you're directly in front of the source of it. 
So go to the source of it, get involved in a local church body and uh, just don't play games with your spirituality. 100%. We're going to be uh, ending now, but look at wherever you're at, if you're going through this stuff, just call on the name of the Lord. Just say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And he'll literally reach out and touch your life right here, right now, and your life will never be the same. Get plugged into church, start reading the living word of God, and uh, give us a call. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, thanks for being on the show, boys. Thanks. All right. Peace. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese.